Welcome back to season four of Warriors Unite podcast with me, your host, Carolyn, where I'm joined again by some incredible guests as they take us on their journey and us warriors unite. Hey, welcome back to this week's episode of Warriors Unite podcast with me, your host, Carolyn. This week, I am joined by the lovely Lucy. Hi, Lucy. How are you? Hi, I'm all right. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. I think we might have a slight little delay, people, so don't worry about it. Lucy, whereabouts in the world are you joining us from? England. Manchester, England. Um, okay, so Lucy, you are going to take us through your journey um, with chronic illness and make more awareness to the condition that you have. So I will leave it over to you and you might explain to us what is what is your condition? conditions to <laughs> to with the yeah um I were uh, 22 years of age um now I'm 34 now um 22 years of age and I only have my little boy who is now 13 and I literally just went to my opticians just for a routine eye checkup um I wore glasses just for reading um, for about at that point for about six years of my life and I rung my husband at work and I asked him I says when's your next day off he says I'm off Monday and it was another day in the week and I said right I says I'm gonna book a opticians on Monday he says yeah 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 that's fine so I booked him for the opticians on the Monday and I goes um all happy and Larry all three of us appears at the opticians um, and they asked me, um, did anybody else have any eye conditions? I was like, no. Um, I'd been experiencing headaches. I was like, no. Any pressure? No, didn't even know what they were on about. Right, okay. I was in the opticians for an hour. Longest hour in my life. I was like, right, okay. So the next thing, I um, he checks behind my eyes. And then he says to me, he says, um, are you sure that nobody's ever suffered with any eye conditions in your family? No. Right, okay, no problem. And within 48 hours, he didn't tell me what was wrong. Within 48 hours, I'm sat in my local hospital. I absolutely, I've never been so scared in my life. But bear in mind, 18 months previous, I just had an emergency section, but I knew what was going on. So I was just like, what? So like I said, 48 hours, I was just like, why am I here? Nobody told me what was going on, what was happening. I had to go to the hospital for a massive routine eye checkup. I didn't know why I were there, how long I was in for. And my husband had to get the full week off work. And I've never been so scared in my life. And I was just like, what the hell's going on? And they were like, Lisa, your eyes are really bad. But I've gone in to the opticians, asymptomatic. I didn't have no headaches whatsoever. I didn't have no headache. I didn't have no pressure. And the one question that the opticians asked me, had he had any of these? And I was like, no. And so it was just a routine, a routine checkup. Was it just a routine eye checkup? Yeah. Routine eye checkup. And on the Wednesday, before we knew it, I had a neurologist, never heard of him in my life. I'm like, hi, who, who are you? Um, well, I'm a neurologist, right? 
they sent me for an MRI scan that afternoon and I was like, what the hell? I said, can you ask why I'm going for these? Well, they started off with a CT scan. Um, as my kids now know it as the donut. Um, Mummy going in that donut? No, not this time. So we started off with a donut um, and they couldn't get a clear picture. Like, clear picture of what? And literally I was in, in and out of this CT scan. And he said, we need a bigger picture. Bigger picture of what? Well, if you're heading your neck. Well, I'm very, very claustrophobic. And I was like, nah, it's not for me, this. So then I had to ask my, one of my friends to come in and I look after my little boy. And my husband was at the bottom of, was literally just touching my feet. And I thought, I can't do it. I could not do this. What was my prognosis? What was my prognosis? What are they going to diagnose me with? Because I'm 22 years of age. I've got an 18-month-old toddler. What the hell is happening? I still don't know. Anyway, so I had a neurologist. I had a doctor, and there was I had a neurosurgeon, and there was another doctor. There were four people all crowded around my bed after me MRI scan. I've never been so scared in my life. And basically, this doctor said to me, if I was to go on that night. The chances are I wouldn't be returning the next day. I could have been dead. I was like, what? So at that time, you'd automatically think, have I a tumour in my brain or, or, or what? Like, what's going on here? Because you still didn't know. Still didn't have a clue because nobody was telling me. I've gone for my routine eye checkup on the Monday. They've put me through all this big eye test at the hospital. I've been for all these scans. And still nobody's telling me what the hell, what the frigging hell's going on so my husband and my little boy at the like I only had one child at the time they came home and I'm in the hospital and everyone's going are you all right well when somebody says to you are you all right and you haven't a fucking clue what's going on I was sat there and it was like I was just rocking in a corner and I thought I was ready to be put in a nut house because you know what I just didn't have a clue it was like I was there but I wasn't the next day, everybody came around. Um, I got put on this medication. What am I taking this medication for? Well, the doctor will be around. Well, hang on a minute. Are you not the doctor? Yeah, I'm a doctor, but there's one above me, which is this neurologist. I'm like, right, okay. They come around and they told me that they needed to do a lumbar puncture. I'm like, what? Why, why are you doing a lumbar puncture? Well, Lisa, you've got too much fluid on your brain. What? And this is where it all stems from. I was like, right, okay. Um, so when you say I've got too much fluid, what what are you going to offer me now? Is it is it going to kill me? Of what expectancy have I got? What what are you going to offer me now? Um, well, take this medication, um, and we'll see you in three months but we need to do a lumbar pump job because we need to know how high your pressure is. I said, right, okay. So they does me a lumbar puncture. As they do me a lumbar puncture, the neurologist has gone back to look at my um, MRI scans to find out I've got Chiari malformation as well. So I don't only get diagnosed with one condition, I get diagnosed with two on the same day. The neurologist actually rings me up and says, Lucy, you need to come back. For what? He says, come back on the same ward. He says, you need, we need to see you. 
So I said to my husband, I said, listen, I said, you need to put the next day off work. He said, for what? I said, well, the neurologist has just rang me. I need to go back in. So in a trotted. So I goes back in and he said, listen, he said, you need to bring your husband. He said, and if it needs to be, he said, you little boy. He says, uh, well, you've got a diagnosis now. He said, of IIH, intracranial hypertension, Id- idiopathic intracranial hypertension. That's what my first diagnosis was. I says, uh, can you ask what that actually means? Well, he says, well, there's no cure for this. I says, you what? He says, there's no cure. I'm like, oh, for God's sake. He said, so I said, uh, there's no cure whatsoever. He said, no. I was like, all right, okay. So it's a case of ego, Lucy, 22 years of age, there's a curveball for you. Got a little boy, what's the odds of that? What is the, the odds of this? Anyway, and I said to my husband, I went, do you know what? I said, I just feel like, I don't even know what I was feeling at the time because I'd never actually heard of it because it is a rare condition. So then we all sit there and again it gets the same four doctors and everybody else, they're professionals. I'm no professional in this. And even still to this day, 12 years on, I'm still no professional now. Even though I've lived with the same conditions, 12 years on. And I'm sat there and the next thing he says, I've got some really bad news here. Go on then, throw more curveballs at me. And that's basically what I said to him. He says, You've got another brain condition. And I looked at my husband, he looked at me, and I just sat and sobbed my heart out. And all I can think of is my little boy. What is the odds of my little boy growing up and having such a poorly mum? This is not what I intended for my little boy to have. God love him now, he is 13, and that kid worships the ground I walk on. At this point, I was like, is he going to have a month? Is he going to have a month that's going to be a cabbage in a wheelchair? Is there? I didn't know. And still to this day, I do not know what the next day is going to be because I have to take the day hour by hour. And I said to him, I said, I've got another brain condition, he says, yeah. I was like, don't believe this. I says, 22 years of age, two brain conditions, an 18-month-old toddler in. Nah. All right, no problem. But then I got told I could go into remission of the, the IIH. What a load of crap that is. Still waiting now, 12 years on. Still waiting 12 years on. Sorry, when they don't have much information, that's just their, that's their, that's just kind of their answer. So they just go back to the second for people. So after a routine eye test, you're diagnosed with too much fluid and pressure on the brain, on the brain, which they called IIH. Yeah. Then you were then told that you had Chiari malformation. So you were already trying to figure out what this IIH is. Now you had to figure out another complicated. Yeah, and this is all in the space of a week. Well, in five days, because the eye test was the Monday. Wednesday, I got told they had too much fluid on my brain, and this is the Friday. Me and my husband and my little boy are sat there. And I said to him, I said, what, what is this, Chiara? And he says, well, basically, I still put this towards, I've lived with three, fem- three males in my house. Now... Basically, my brain is too big for my skull. 
and my, my brain protrudes. My last MRI scan, it was 11 millimetres through my skull and it's pressing on my spine, which it's not nice. It isn't nice to live with when it's day in, day out, week in, week out. And it, the amount of agony, the amount of pain that I am in every day mm. it is absolutely unbelievable. It's indescribable. So your brain is it's too big for, for your skull. So yeah. I'm, I'm taking from that. The bigger part of it is coming down to, onto the top of your spine. Yes. Yeah. Putting, so putting pressure on the top vertebrae of your spine on your neck yeah so your your brain you have a brain full of fluid but it's also too big for your skull i've no i've all me basically imagine your fluid right imagine a sink being blocked yeah and the first thing you do is unplug like get your plug don't you and press it and you, you, your water goes down well when your sink is blocked you press the plug and the plug basically, your spine, your water obviously will go down and ro ro right, regulate around your body. Well, because I've got too much of it, it doesn't know where to go. So it'll just sit there in the top of my head. So that's your spinal cerebral fluid? Yes. Wow. So, right. So you, so you just have to be told this. And you're trying to, you're trying to figure out what, what, what happened next? What happened next? I just went into survival mode. I just literally just was like, what the heck? Um, I was told at the time, if it carried on going as bad as what it did, as bad as what it has, that I could have a massive brain operation. I was like, what? 22 years of age going through a massive brain op. Basically, they could cut the back of my head here at the back. Um, Take a piece of two pieces of skull away, so basically my brain's got more movement. And basically, then what'll happen is um, it's got more room for me for the fluid to move. So the brain will obviously it's got more space for it then to balance out on. But then the odds of that working is second to none. So I was like, well, hang on a minute. I said, I've had a section 18 months ago. That's worked. I've got my little boy, but I'm not going to be put through brain surgery. That it's not going to, chances are it's not going to work anyway. I was like, no, 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 no. But when you're in that much pain every day and you've got too much fluid on your brain, but then you've got all the pressure in your spine and then you're literally in bed and you're thinking, if I move, I don't actually know where it's going to hurt first. My arms, my legs, my back, my spine, my head. And the best way to describe it is, I have a headache every day. Not just your headache where you take two paracetamol and then in half an hour it's gone. I can take six paracetamol, four ibuprofen and think, yeah, it's not even touched it. I can pop them like sweets. And I think, yeah, here we go. It, 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 it does not touch it because it's a chronic illness. It cannot be seen because I look okay on the outside Inside, I am battered and I am broke because this illness is not seen. It is non-curable, all because it is the operations are not worth going through all the pain, going through it all for, them, for me to be told it's not worth. 
how can I put my my babies through that? I can't do it no more. As you were saying there with pain wise, and it's for anybody to try. You ha- you can't explain an undescribable pain. That's the only way. That's the only way to put it. So you've got a brain that is too much fluid, which is causing extra pressure, which is making your skull feel like it wants to expand because there's no room for all of this. No. I'd imagine there wouldn't be a painkiller on the earth that does go because what painkillers do, painkillers mask the pain. They don't deal with the actual what's going on there. So you're then offered surgery, but being told you can have the surgery, but the probabilities are it's not going to be of any improvement. It's not going to do any difference. But you nope. can risk you can risk losing your life to have a surgery that's not going to give you any better quality of life. So that's mm-hmm. basically what I told you. Oh. Mad that, isn't it? When you think of it like that, and I think you know what? Just if you just at the minute in twelve years, I've learned to live with them. It sounds horrible, and it sounds like I'm a bit selfish. But do you know what? When you live with a chronic pain and chronic illnesses that nobody can see, and some until somebody says, Luther, I totally get you. I understand. Nobody understands. Not a person that walks this earth will go, I understand what you go through. Not a person. In five days, you've got two brain conditions at the age of 22. There's just no need for. And which which are both two that don't really have any treatment for them, do they? So. They're uncurable. There's no... It's like you've got, like, obviously, people like who have got cancer. Um, they go in and they fight that for cancer or one thing, do you know what I mean? Or, like, if somebody gets diagnosed with diabetes, they go to the doctor and but I go to the doctor and my doctor says, my doctors now won't touch me because I'm under neurology. What? But trying to yeah. get hold of a neurologist nowadays, mm. <laughs> days and weeks trying to. Years, years if you live in Ireland. Um, yeah, I get that whole like chronic illness and invisible illness and people, people, people just don't get it. First of all, the fact that you don't look, that you don't look sick. And they're trying to say, oh, how could it be? How could it be so bad? People need to get the whole word chronic. Chronic is an illness that never gets any better. It doesn't no. go away. There is no. no treatment for it. You get medication to manage some side effects, but there is no actual treatment for it. And even though you might hear a lot of people say um, that are in this community, you know, like with cancer, at least there's a treatment for it you know and everybody hears the big c word and it brings such a dark heaviness on somebody that somebody somebody could die from it when you're living with a chronic illness people you're living with an illness where you're sick every single second of every day of your life without any hope of a treatment without any way of ever coming out it it's what you have and it's what you're going to have till the end of time and what is huge in the chronic illness community that isn't spoken about a lot either is the amount of people that not only suffer terribly um, with mental health issues because you're living with this the lot the amount of people that take their own life in the chronic illness community Mm. because we're living you're living with this illness that's not going away 
and you're sick every day and people people don't understand that and they don't and they don't get that and you're being told there here you go there's two brain conditions we don't really have a treatment for them no it's incurable Mm. but it's like that um it's like a rare disease basically um it's it's hard to explain and it's hard to deal with at the start because it's like getting up every day it's it's hard to get up every day especially when you're on the flare it's like when I get up in the morning it's like is my head actually going to get off this pillar is it actually going to get off this pillar if I move like where's going to hurt first where if I actually do this and I think is it really worth it yeah because do you know why it's worth it because I've got a family I've got a family to look after and even though it's hurting, it's going to hurt. But that ache, that hurting first thing in the morning will become that ache all day. But then if I sit down, it will just, I become stiff in the day. But then if I get up, it'll just become that ache. But then when I go to bed, because obviously like I don't sleep the best of nights. But then if I do have a good night's sleep, which isn't very often, if I do have a decent night's sleep, I've just got to take each day as it comes. Because if I don't take each day as it comes, I'm just not promised tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's a really good point. Yeah. And it's it's the the you the what we all even hate saying, it's the but I'm used to it. In a world we're now in 2022, we shouldn't have to get used to these illnesses. No. We shouldn't have to it just be part of your life we shouldn't have to just know well if I don't get on with my life I may as well dig a hole and put my, and put myself into it this is just my life now we shouldn't have to be this is just my life now because when you go to a doctor they say well you know your diagnosis when a doctor opens a conversation with you and says well you know your diagnosis if that's the first sentence he says to you be prepared for the doctor to basically saying to you we don't know how to deal with it. There's nothing I can do is what they're basically saying. So when you walk into a room, the doctor says, oh, well, you have your diagnosis. That's his admission or her admission or their admission right on that spot saying, I haven't a clue about this. Don't know what to do. Next. That's what it is. Yeah. Next. You're sent on your merry way. But yeah. if you go in to your doctor and your wrist is swollen and you're holding it up, you're rushed to every type of scan every type of doctor because they can see what's going on but if you got an, a visible illness we're not going to bother to do the homework about it so next which would lead me to did you go straight home and try and research these crazy conditions no because google scares me google scares me um and the opticians that actually scared me at the time i never actually went back to it that's trauma there for you like that's PTSD automatically yeah I never went back to him and I still never went back to him still to this day and that was 12 years on I had that with a with a do- the doctor that diagnosed me with oh like a cringe that diagnosed me with pot and I've said it a few times with pots um mm-hmm. nearly 18 nearly 18 years ago now um same thing even when I'm back out in the hospital, I have it on my actual medical records that I'm not I'm not going to say the name of this doctor because I don't want to get mm-hmm. in trouble. Um, it's on my record that I'm never to see him. And if I'm walking through the hospital, 
and the odd time I've ever crossed his path, I feel my whole body stiffen. Oh no. You know, and shake and, and and that is exactly like what you said with going into um have an itis. That that is trauma because that's where it brings yeah. it brings everything all back to. So Lucy, what do you like what did they give you any information? Did they have anything to hand you because you don't search Google? Now when I say look at Google, I don't mean look at people's symptoms. I'm like look at some type of infor like information. We all know Google is just none of it's kind of really realer but I laugh because when I did type, type in what is pots 18 years ago on Google I was getting photographs of pots and pens <laughs> yeah that's like so you know um that's that's where I was getting it from so did they have anything any information to actually give you no no because I got told at the time I was very overweight they blamed it on my weight um I was like, well, I'm not being funny, but I'm a first-time parent. Um, even though like my, my little boy at the time were like 18 months old, I was enjoying it. Um, yeah, as a parent, as a first-time mum, we do lose ourselves. But you know what? It just takes time to find yourself again. Um, I got told, like I said, I was very overweight, um, and it was I was very inactive. Well, hang on a minute. I'm not being funny, but before we had my son, I was a very slim person, but I'm not being funny, but he was a he weren't the tiniest baby born. He was a big lad. But do you know what? He's he'll always be my baby. Um these cards are going around at the moment saying, unless my weight is detrimental to my health, don't weigh me or don't discuss it. Like yeah. So what it sounds like to me is what what not what normally happens, which we, in medical gaslighting is the blame the blame game is there because they have no they don't have any information on it. So mm -hmm. in a consultation, they're blaming you. You're inactive, or you're yeah. overweight. No, no, no. Hold on a minute. If this is a, a neurologic problem, right? That's going on in my brain with too much fluid. Can you tell me what you're going to do instead of? blaming me like like what what do we yeah. want to do you know the only thing they did was throw medication at me they literally threw medication at me straight off I was like right I'm not, and apparently that was to decrease that the pressure in my brain um but still to this day my pressure is still quite high I'd imagine did they ever so offer you a shunt did they ever offer a shunt no because I never I've, I've never lost my eyesight up till November last year yeah, so that that was the thing. No, I, the reason I asked, I've, I've kind of heard of some people before that kind of have this extra fluid and stuff, and I know that um that they've offered, they've been offered shunts, drain fluid um from the brain into into the stomach. I've actually lost my eyesight up until November this uh, last year. Mm. So it's just medication. I don't I mean just medication. Yeah. Is the medication. What are, what are supposedly the benefits for e easing, I guess, some of the symptoms? They're supposed to um, help keep the pressure down. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to help reduce, help basically you lose weight. Um, the, like I said, you're supposed to like keep your pressure at bay. But when you have a constant, really, really bad head all the time, it isn't good. It isn't nice. 
Um, but like another thing as well with IIH, if people don't have the Chiari like I did, you can have a Wumba Puncher. I was just going to ask that, yeah. I was going to yeah. ask that, yeah. You can have a Wumba Puncher. The risk of me having a Wumba Puncher, I can die. Hmm. Because if they drain the, the fluid from my brain, it's going to cause my brain to go down further down my spine. If, it, if they drain it too quick, I'm dead. Yeah. So caught between a rock and a hard place, excuse the pun, but that's... Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, obviously a lot of people do have underpunches, but it's like I see a lot of Facebook groups going, oh, I, I don't want a lumbar puncture. Check it, because people like myself can't have him. I have to then go in for ICP bolt monitors for brain surgery, and it's like, I'd sooner have a lumbar puncture than go in admitted in for like four days. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, have you noticed any kind of update we'll say because this has been over 12 years you've been going through it so have you noticed any update with and this is very important because a lot of people are going to go to probably nod and agree when they when they listen back to this podcast have you noticed any update and treatment from first diagnosis to now 12 years later yes yeah the first lot of medication that i got put on to mm. now um i had a really really bad reaction to it um where my I'll, do you know what? I'll send it to you. Um, my face was really, really puffy. Um, and I reacted to it dead bad. It was, when it read, it was literally like that. Wow. Um, it was really, really puffy. My face was redder than red. Um, I sent my pictures to my, I emailed my neurologist. I've got a new, I've had about four or five neurologists over 12 years. Um, and I said to him, I said, something not quite right. And I was on 3,000 milligrams of these, this medication. Yeah, I was on a lot, and then it was it was Easter Bank Holiday weekend. It's my second year running in this year that I've been that I've got the, I'm on this new medication. Um, and then he seemed he got my email on the Monday because he was working that bank holiday. He personally rang me on the Tuesday. He said, "I need to see you at my clinic Thursday morning. Can you get in?" And I went, "There's no ifs and buts about it. I need to see you." I literally went in, my eyes, I looked like I'd had 10 rounds, 10 rounds with Mike Tyson. Honest to God, I, it was horrible. I literally walked into his clinic. I was that embarrassed. I went in with sunglasses on. He went, can I see your face? And I went, no. Honest to God, he went, but please. He begged me. And I literally took my sunglasses off and I, I sobbed my heart out. And he went, you need a new medication. He gave me antihistamines there and then. He gave me new medication and he sent me to this new... He gave me, an, and I have an appointment every every three months with him, one of his nurses, and they inject my stomach now every month. Yeah. So I'm still on medication, and now that's been upped because last November, I actually lost my eyesight because of these chronic illnesses that I've got. That's scary. Yeah. Um, like I, I actually lost my eyesight last November. Um, and then I had to go in for more tests in the end of November, and then it's seeing now the end of next month. But I have to inject my belly. I have to inject myself every month now. So yeah, I've seen an, an increase now with better medication now. Yeah, that, it, 
that's that it, that's that's important isn't it um because it's only it's horrible to say but it's only when people like you yourself and myself and other people in chronic illness condition the more we advocate which is in doing the investigation and the work ourselves or keeping in contact with our doctors and keeping on top of them it's the only way that they're going to advance in these conditions yeah. i mean you can't read it from a book you need to listen to it from your patient and they always say that they can go to you can go to college and you can study and study but you're better off to listen to the, per the person that's going through yeah. it and try and investigate and try and help yeah. it so you've, you've seen some bit of a change anyway at least so that they're they're kind of doing some more work would you be hoping yeah. in yourself please god in 10 years time that they would that you think if somebody younger is coming in and starting with these with this condition that they might have a better way of treating it would you think would you yeah hope like that? hopefully yeah um hopefully yeah um i think i in the near future i hope somebody like say like myself like somebody like my age or younger than me would get better treatment rather than get medication for it i'm saying oh well you're overweight you're not active you're not this you're not that but before i got diagnosed i used to play rugby and football yeah there you go so how can they say we're active hang on a minute I think, do you know what i mean it was like what it's always come here it's all it's 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 always the blame game it's always blame game it's like telling an asthmatic that what they're going through isn't real it's just all in their lungs Really? It's really, yeah, that's what it, you know what I mean? It, you, it's always, it's always a blame game. Um, yeah. What I'm going to ask you now, Lucy, if, if you don't mind talking about it, is no. somebody that's gone through so much on a daily basis and we become warriors because we've, we got to get up and keep moving. Mm -hmm. uh, to be in such, such chronic head, head pressure pain, head pressure pain. Now I suffer with, with chronic migraines, not on a daily basis, but when I get them, it's 10 days of pressure pain now you're going through this every day like all the time all the time every day like I know your kids and it's great and they motivate you to get up out of bed I've always said that if I didn't have my two boys I would have crawled into a hole a long time ago when I was diagnosed with this condition they motivate you and they put the fight in you and they make you push and you have to get up and yeah. do it and there's days that you feel that you can't um like you I see you now yourself and that you you work out and you you try to do a lot of strengthening exercise and stuff to be I guess to be around for your children and that but on dark on dark days yeah what are dark dark days like for you living with a chronic illness yeah what motivates me that I've got a warm house that I'm not out on the streets um if I didn't have this and God knows where it'd be like living with chronic illnesses isn't the best. It really isn't. Um, it ain't the best. It ain't the best life. It, like, but you know what? I've got to because if I didn't have these, if I didn't have my own family, God knows where I'd be. Yeah. Mm. So you got to kind of, it's not easy for everybody to. No. Because we've all been through it, so, so we're, none of us are going to lie about it. Um, we have all hit the dark hole when you're diagnosed with chronic illness. Every one of us got through it. Really, 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 really dark times. 
we're grateful now to be able to say, okay, I've come to terms, this is what I have, this is my, this is life now, and I just got to get up and do it. But when I have a bad day or I have a bad flare up, I'll say to my body, okay, cool, we need to rest and we'll rest and we, we'll keep on going. But those yeah. dark days, like Lucy, just really, really, mental health is an awful big, 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 big part to these conditions. Oh, you know, gotcha. when you're not feeling when you're not feeling well mentally you get a huge flare-up then the yeah. huge flare-up makes you not feel well mentally so mm. how did you get how did you get through that um for anybody that's that's listening that would feel they might need a little bit of support to feel that they're they're lost because these conditions are lonely conditions mm. yeah very lonely because i found like none of my family actually say do you know what well a lot of people who i know that'll get up and get going get up and get going are you having a laugh are you seriously having a fucking joke here or what get up and get going um it is very lonely um and it is like like you said when it is when you are having a flare up and it is and you are pulling like you are in your bed and you think oh do you know what i can't get up today the best thing to get up is just to think as long as you put then move that quilt and put them feet on them floor if it takes you 10 minutes it takes you 10 minutes if it takes you half an hour it takes you half an hour but the thing is with me and especially my my youngest son at the moment to school my kids school are on on the same page with me if i get my little boy into school at 10 o'clock in the morning they ask me is everything all right i'm not well no problem the main thing is he's here if it's on a weekend my eldest son helps out a lot. They bring like the, the phones are the tablets upstairs with me and they come and sit in bed and on my terms, come on, let's go downstairs. All right, no problem. Do you know that type of thing? Like on a Friday and Saturday, my husband's off work and he'll, should we do this today? And it's all on my terms. But do you know what? It's having that small circle of friends understand you. If you've not got that, you are on your own, but it's just get having that small circle of people that go, I understand, I know exactly how you feel. But if you've not got that, you are fucking very lonely. But if anyone who will, who will be listening or who is listening wants to pop me a message or whatever, hit me up on Instagram. And honestly, I'm here at any time. Because I walk the path every day. I walk that path every day. It is a mental... It is fair, it is hard walking the path mentally and especially on your own. Yeah. It's just having one person to um to not ask you questions, to not force you to to use the old saying, oh, you just need to get out. Huh? Do you know I can't get out? I can get out, but it getting out what it does to my body, what like for me, what being on my feet for too long does to my body, how it will activate a flare-up which will leave me back do you know what I mean it's just having that somebody there that says what what can I do for you what do you need from me or how can I help you get yeah. you it's like you're saying with your kids yeah. your kids know mom needs to rest she's in bed they'll come forth and be like do you need do you need company yes yeah. they'll jump up on the bed but they understand that mammy has a chronic illness too and if there's day she doesn't feel right well we give her that space it's the communication non-judgmental communication trying to understand people a lot of people will 
listen, but they're not actually hearing what you're saying, you know. and that, that is, it's very hard because chronic illness is very isolated. And if you're living on your own, it is a very isolating thing. And you you don't want to keep explaining yourself to no. people. You, because people don't get it. And we're not being ignorant by saying people don't get it, but you don't get it unless you're, you walk in these shoes. Like everybody in the chronic illness community might have similar, have similar conditions, but no two bodies are the same. So everybody's no. experience illness is totally different in totally different ways. And just to get recognized and have a platform where you know, hey, I'm in that in your community, like reach out, we can talk about it. I'm willing yeah. to just having somebody that's going to listen or somebody that's going to say, I'll pop over and make you a cup of tea. And you mm-hmm. can say, I'm not feeling up to it. And they turn around and say, You don't need to move from the couch. I'll pop over, I'll make you a cup of tea and I'll just be company. If you never had a conversation and there was somebody just sitting there letting you be, it's very important. Um, recently, I've got talking to a parent at school and believe it or not, she got diagnosed in November with the same condition I've got. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> and she's got a little boy in AIR's class at school. Um, and I was just talking, like, you know, when you're just popping her in, but I was just, like, talking to her. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we hope that you're all right. Next thing, and I was like, I've got the same conditions as you. She's like, get out of it. I went, I'm tired. And then, obviously, I was she went, you've not got Chiari as well, have you? I went, I have. She went, I'll stop to you. I was like, what? But because, like, I walk and walk this path every day, and I live with him. She was like, I don't know how you do it. I went, well, if I don't, who does? Because I have enough of that work and I have to do absolutely everything. But at the moment, I'm a little boy to school. I come home and I do sit down where before I used to come in, put the washer on, get the Uber out. I used to go and I used to be a thousand miles a minute. Where at the minute, what I do, I come in, I put the kettle on, I take my shoes off, I put the telly on and I sit down. If it's half past 10, 11 o'clock before I'm starting my jobs, fine, be it. Because I haven't got the capacity anymore to run around like an absolute idiot. Well, not even an idiot, run around like I do, well, like I did. Because you know what? I can't do it no more. I have to listen to my body now. Because if I haven't got the capacity to do it, I haven't got the capacity to do it. As long as my children are coming home to a nice clean house and food on the table, it's warm and it's cosy. That's all I'm bothered about. If they're coming home on a Friday night, when the dad's picked him up from school and I'm asleep on the sofa, it's because I'm not well. One day out of seven, it ain't going to kill him. No. And that's why you should use the, um, I live by it anyway, I have for many, many years, the Spoonie theory, because because I have to live by it. Um, I don't know if you've ever done it before, where you get your 12 spoons and it, it gives you out a dialogue of how many spoons you use up for doing things. I think it's like when you have a shower, you use up three spoons. So that leaves you with nine spoons for the rest of the day. Maybe taking out the washing could be another two spoons. It keeps you in the 12 spoons so you don't go into burnout. Um, Never yeah 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 it's huge like if you ever see in the community where people are putting up spoonie or hashtag in spoonie it's the community because we all work off the spoonie tier i should find it somewhere and i'll send it on to you so so it might be something to think about because it does it works and it brought it came to mind to me there because when you were saying before you'd be rushing and we were trying to figure out why why are we so burnt out why are we getting so many flare-ups because we're overworking we're overworking the body 
Um, and when you say now you come in and you sit down, you take down and you're listening to your body, you need yeah. that because things will get done. They've got done for the last 12 years. Before I let you go anyway, because I've taken up enough of your time. Have you got three top tips um, that you that you would give to people that are, even if they're not necessarily going through the conditions you have, but on how to basically deal with chronic illness on, on a daily basis? Three top tips. That work for you, that maybe you have done. That It would be, listen to your body. 110%. I've only learned that in the last, between the last six to 12 months, I've only learned that. And it's took me like 11 and a half years, <laughs> must say. Um, the first one is listen to your body. The second one would be, second one would be, don't be afraid to ask for help. Ask, don't be ashamed because do you know what? That's what I've always done. Always been ashamed. Do you know what? Well, what are they going to think about me? Do you know what? Nobody thinks anything any different because it's all right to ask. And number three would be, um, what are questions to ask, Caroline? <laughs> Take your time. You've got two brain conditions. <laughs> if you're unsure, always ask for a second opinion. Yeah. Hey, there you go. That's the most important one. Yeah. <clears throat> Lucy, I've learned an awful lot today off about this Chiari malformation and the IIH that no I didn't know to be quite honest <laughs> and I always I always find it so interesting to hear it from the person that's going through the condition because there's no amount of googling or research or books is going to tell me any more than what the person that's living this condition is going through yep. and that's basically what 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 we do that's what this podcast um is about for people um would you if anybody wants to reach out reach out, where can they find you on your socials um my instagram is lucet.ala.87 perfect thank you so so much for um taking your no time problem. out sharing our story as it as i said um yeah it's such a powerful story and i've learned an awful lot i wrote down everything that i've learned about this condition and, and thank you for trusting me um to share this and help other people out there no problem anytime you know that mind yourself take care we'll speak to you soon a huge thank you again to this week's guest lucy for coming along and sharing her story and her journey with us if you would like some support or just like to reach out to Lucy, you can find her on Instagram at lucy.ally.87. Thank you again for joining us and I do hope you will come back again as us warriors unite.